0: I had a dream that Justin Trudeau, the president of Canada, okay? Is it, is it a president? Is it prime minister? President, whatever. Justin Trudeau uh-huh. had yeah, an the emergency Canada man. Yeah, he had an emergency press conference okay. where he exposed Charmin toilet paper as being a fraud because ultra strong and ultra soft was actually the same thing. <laughs> and it was
1: you have strong (laughs) suspicions about toilet paper and the only (laughs) the only authority you trust is Justin Trudeau
0: Canadian I I don't know why but I remember that like it was a huge controversy everyone was like how could Charmin do this how long has Charmin lied to us Hey everyone, welcome to Adaptive for your viewing. My name is David, and I watch too many movies.
1: And my name is Amanda, and I read too many books. We are brother and sister, and this is our podcast for nerds, where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on, and tell you which one is worth consuming.
0: And today we are continuing and ending the mini series covering the entire Hunger Games series in anticipation Ooh. of the new prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. This week, we will be covering the last installment of the series with Mockingjay, the 2009 book by Suzanne Collins, and both part one and part two of the movies, both directed by Francis Lawrence. I want everyone who's watching to lay down their weapons now. You're alive. PETA is the
1: capital's weapon. The same way you're ours. You will rescue PETA at the earliest opportunity, or you will find another Mockingjay. So if you are unfamiliar, don't worry. We'll be doing a spoiler-free chat for the first half of our episode. And if you are familiar or don't really care about spoilers on this particular book-to-movie combo, stick around. So real quick, we're going to give you a brief summary on the story. In the aftermath of having her district bombed and destroyed by the Capitol, Katniss and her family are adjusting to life in the secretive District 13, a district that houses nuclear weapons and made a deal with the Capitol to disappear underground rather than go to war. I think that's what it ended up being. Yeah. Uh, in exchange for her participation in District 13's propaganda films, Katniss negotiates for her friend's safety, PETA's rescue, and what she really wants, to kill Snow herself. So she has just gone full on murder. But as District 13 takes over the districts one by one and slowly marches towards the Capitol, Katniss starts to question whether the new regime under President Alma Coyne – what a name – will really be (laughs) any better or or just more of the same oppression as before. So, David, did you ever read this book before today or before this week?
0: Before today, I finished. <laughs> Before today. <laughs> uh, I do specifically remember, again, pre-ordering this book, like I did Catching yeah. Fire, reading yeah. this book, and I mean, I might spoil how I felt back when I first read this, I was not very happy with it, <laughs> to be honest. I was not thrilled with the book, uh, and I didn't end up seeing either of these movies either, uh I so all of, yeah, all of this was yeah all this was kind of new to me so yeah. not i don't have a lot of experience with the last of this series in some ways that's a good thing because mm-hmm. i weirdly got to experience these books uh fresh, uh, fresh in a new mm-hmm. light uh so to say and experience it as if for the first time mm-hmm. um it's really all i gotta say how about you amanda <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do not see the movies. Um, I think more of... I don't know why I didn't see the movies, actually, because I think they looked pretty good. I think I was concerned that they had split it up into two movies. Yes. And I knew there was not a ton of plot. Uh, so I think I waited for the reviews of the third movie, and when they were not stellar, I was like, meh. Uh, because I... Also read this book right when it came out in high hopes that would be a pickup from the second book. And it this has never happened to me, David. Okay. Where I finished the book and I was so angry at the ending, I threw the book across the room.
0: (laughs) You threw the book?
1: I remember as soon as I got to like the last chapter or so like rage speed reading to find out if it was like a dream or if something else was going to happen or like where where Katniss was going to end up. And as soon as I got to the last sentence, I shut the book angrily and I tossed it across the room and I didn't (laughs) want it near me anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I would say I didn't have that strong of a reaction. I had a similar reaction. But I, that's, that's hilarious. It's just, it's that's funny hilarious. to think about
1: because I would have been in my early 20s at the time. So it's not like I was a teenager having no, this temper tantrum. not at all. Temper tantrum. <laughs> I was definitely a grown adult.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think what's interesting too is that, you know, neither of us saw these movies. And I think one of the reasons for that is like, this is... This movie came out during like the height of dystopian films. It for sure did. You had part one and part two, Harry Potter style. You know, Harry Potter got to do it, so I guess every movie wants to do it now. Uh, But it had those. It had Divergent. It had The Maze Runner, if you remember that. So it had all these different dystopian movies coming out. And to be honest, all kind of felt the same a a little bit of like mysterious dystopian. Uh, governments controlling their youth in some sort of oppressive way. that In a like, very
1: specific oppressive way, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it just kind of all started to blend together, so this is like... With, like very similar characters. Yeah, so it just felt yeah. uninteresting by the time it got to these. I mean, I'll this series got to actually like end properly. If you look at mm-hmm. series like The Maze Runner or even Divergent, or Divergent yeah. <laughs> it kind of went out with a whimper compared to this ending. Yeah. So I'm happy yeah. at least it's got like a proper big budgeted film attached mm-hmm. or attached for the ending.
1: Yeah, for sure. You got,
0: you got the book throwing. We'll talk more about why yeah. <laughs> the book throwing occurred <laughs> exactly. later. So tell me about some book facts though.
1: So I have very few book facts. Uh, Just because, like I said in the last episode, Suzanne Collins does not do a lot of interviews, and so she did a little bit of press when the movies came out. Um, But a lot of the book facts were about the series as a whole, and so nothing super new, just about this book in particular. Uh, I will say, though, that this book had no problem selling off the shelves. Uh, It was just as popular as the other two books. It sold like crazy. It had an original printing of 1.2 million books, which is – a hunk, a ton of books for yeah. a print, for first printing. And they added an emergency 400K within the first week because it sold out so fast.
0: That's so crazy. it had
1: almost a 2 million first print, which is really, really impressive. Um, and it had mostly positive reviews uh, because of its depictions of war and violence were very interesting for teens. Um, but it also had some
0: mixed reviews, which we will dive into. We will dive into. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, unlike the book, the this movie has a, a ton of little facts. Again, these movies were just like cranked out quickly. They so were, yeah. there aren't like a ton of interesting production notes uh, because these were kind of just filmed back to back and put out very, very quickly. Um, but... You know, probably the biggest thing that people kind of think of when they think of these movies is the fact that these are Philip Seymour Hoffman's last movies. He died during the filming of part two of crazy. Mockingjay, which yeah. is crazy. He he is still, even though he doesn't get a lot to work with in these movies, he Fantastic brings so much more because he's yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. He has a lot of subtlety to his roles and an incredible actor, very, very much missed um, thankfully, that they did film a ton of stuff already. So mm-hmm. unlike other movies that need to do a lot of CGIing, they only have a little bit of CGI Hoffman. But for the most part, uh, it it was easily written around and didn't affect the movie's production that much. Yeah, uh, so. I think there's
1: like- only one scene where you really notice that he's not there, yeah. Um, but for the most part, it feels like he still has his full role from beginning to end.
0: Yeah, so it cool. it was nice, you know, to kind of still see him do for the most part a full performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, now to continue on our trend of Hunger Games soundtrack facts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like there this is, note in here. <laughs> yeah, There is a poem in the books called The Hanging Tree that at one point Katniss sings. And the Lumineers created a melody for this song that Jennifer Lawrence then sang for a short oh. segment in part one. Okay. And the most insane thing to me is that when this came out... It was number one on the iTunes sales charts. I remember when it came out, yeah. What's nuts to me is that that many people cared about iTunes in 2015. Yeah, it was a big deal back in the day, dude. No, I remember that, but like (laughs) iTunes, like, it just – The idea of going on iTunes and buying something sounds insane to me now. Like that's what that's what my college experience was,
1: was trying to decide how much money I could spend on iTunes every month. Yeah, this was before this was before subscriptions and stuff.
0: Well, Jennifer Lawrence has a number one song. That's (laughs) that's great Uh, to to be fair. The melody is kind of nice and that's
1: it's fine.
0: It's fine. It's, I mean, it was also it's written by great. the Lumineers, which is, again, during the folk phase.
1: It definitely sounds like it's a Lumineer song, and it's a great Lumineer song. It is a bad childhood, like, folk song that's been handed down from generation to generation. That doesn't quite make much sense.
0: We're, I have a lot of opinions on the poem that we'll get to later. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get to the poem later. Okay. Uh, and the last one that I am shocked by, because it From a movie production standpoint, this seems insane. The hardest scene to shoot in which took three weeks, uh, is apart from part two of the movie series, where they filmed in sewers and it was so physically challenging. People were like puking on set. Apparently, it was unbearably humid and hot in the sewers, and like I'm wondering, because this is only like a five to seven minute sequence in the movie. Why did they film in sewers?
1: Why not? I thought it was a set piece. It looks like
0: a set piece. It looks like a set. Like this, you could have built a sewer set piece. No one would have cared. What is the added authenticity of filming in a sewer? It's very odd. I don't know. This is It's crazy to me because I can't think of... A way to suck more it's, energy well, off set okay. than to film in yeah. an actual smelly sewer.
1: It's odd because so many of the other things in this movie are inauthentic and shortcuts. So why did the sewers need to be?
0: <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe it saved money. It probably save money. But like, just, guess. just take out a couple CGI boys <laughs> and like, I'll still be happy.
1: So some crazy stuff happening on set, huh?
0: Yeah. So, uh. That's really it in terms of fun facts. I mean, we're, we're, we're coming back. <laughs> we're coming up toward the end of the series. We're running out of facts here.
1: Yeah, we've never had to, like, talk about the same series over and over and over again and come up with new stuff, <laughs> like, new fun facts for it. So, we never have to do it again. <laughs>
0: Until we go to another series. Stronger
1: we'll
0: see. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hopefully, that movie doesn't come out for a bit or has a more interesting production schedule. <laughs> Anyway, let's kind of jump into the story. Amanda, let's get into our main non-spoiler discussion. What did you think about the main story of Mockingjay? Hmm.
1: So I had kind of a difficult time getting through this book. I didn't super like it the first time. And kind of reading them back to back and diving into it in depth with you has kind of helped me understand why. Um... On the surface, it has everything that I want it to be. It's a cool rebellion story in mm-hmm. a dystopian version of the U.S., and it's all about, you know, I don't know, truth and justice and like all stuff that should be relevant. Yeah, to, we're great and like interesting. yeah, all all good stuff. Um, but then when you're actually going through the story it's not, none of the stuff that you think is going to happen happens. Like there's not very many action scenes. There's not, the stakes don't feel particularly high. Like, She spends a lot of time being bored and like walking Mm -hmm. places without anything happening. Um, You know, the bad guys seem cartoonishly bad still. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like all the stuff that you thought was going to like be developed and sophisticated, um, just feels not. And then on top of it, like we had the, you know, the gimmick of, you know, for lack of a better term, of the Hunger Games in the first book. Mm-hmm. And then we had a return to it in the second book, which was fine. And then in the third, they're like, it's just another Hunger Games. Yeah. And you're like, that's not what I wanted this story to be about. Mm -hmm. I want it to be about this cool rebellion that I've been waiting for for two books. So I don't know. There's like no intrigue. Everyone who seems evil is evil. Everyone who seems good is good. So it's not very exciting. And then the ending is a little bit weird. So it's hard to tell like what the point of this part of the story is. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, you're kind of circling around the main idea I had, which is this ending to this series doesn't feel like it adds anything to the ideas and themes that were brought forth in the previous books right like we get it the capital is bad we don't need to spend more time showing us and giving our characters motivations to fight the capital and so it's kind of stuck in this routine of uh, these themes of propaganda and influence and uh, uh, shaky leadership. And it doesn't yeah. ever add any additional motivation to our characters. Yeah. And then it also just kind of stalls out because, we're again, we're in Katniss's perspective that doesn't right. shift at all. And she doesn't have a main goal for the entire book. I mean, it's it's very uh broad in that it is to kill president snow but in that they don't set up the stakes to get there and in the end those stakes don't even matter and so you're left at the end of the book wondering what was what was this whole story about (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so i don't want to i don't want to uh uh harp on it a ton because again i really love this universe and it's so interesting and the revolution was interesting but it just felt like we weren't in the right perspective for it. And our characters never seemed motivated to move forward with it.
1: Yeah. It didn't quite like there are so many things set up. And unfortunately, that's a lot of stuff that we have to talk about in the spoilers, but there are so many things set up throughout the story that you expected to be paid off in the third book that didn't quite feel paid off. Yes. Uh, like there's a con like Snow has been the villain the entire Um, Like, he's clearly the antagonist. Um, And that gets wrapped up in a weird way. Uh, You know, Katniss volunteers to save her sister. And she has problems with her mom. And that gets wrapped up in a weird way. Uh, The most important conflict seems to be, even though we're in the middle of a revolution, whether or not she's going to hang out with Peeta or Gale. Which is kind of ridiculous. Because, first of all, there's a lot of other things to worry about. But also, like... Like, PETA was your choice because he was the only person not willing to kill you in (laughs) a pretty low bar, but yes, pretty low bar. Gail was the only person available to you because he was, you know, like your small town childhood friend helping your family stay alive. Her world has now been open to many people in the world across the country, and she's still like. These two dudes, I don't know. None of them seem right for me, but I guess I have to choose one. And I don't know why.
0: Yes. Now, uh, I will say this book has much less romance than the other books. But the romance that it does have feels particularly out of place because now – The world is going through extreme changes. There is literally a revolution, and it feels like the main characters are non-participants in that. Yes, And so it's very strange for them to focus on this romance while we know there's much more important things. So the thing that frustrates me more than the unsatisfying endings, more than some of the lack of character development in this last book, is actually the writing itself and i don't i don't want to it's it's not the actual writing it's how she presents a lot of the themes um in this book they're so blunt and over explained <laughs> like there is a point you know we mentioned before that there is this poem that Katniss yeah. is saying that insinuates something much darker than what she's giving off. And instead of letting the reader who at this point, you know, this is for YA. So I'm guessing between 13 and like 18 or so is the target audience. Least, for YA. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's getting to the point where people can start to pick up on things. And this poem isn't exactly subtle about things either. Like Not you quite. can go through it and kind of figure out what it's about. she, shows this poem, and then she has Katniss internally go through the stanzas and explain the poem to the reader as if they're too dumb to figure it out. And I was reading it, and I'm like, do you think I don't understand this? And I understand, yes, I'm a little bit older, but I even feel like at those ages, people can understand it. And so – I, I, this sounds mean, but it sounds like it's written down to people.
1: That's a sm- very small example of probably what's happening in the whole book. Is it does feel, it does feel less subtle than it should be about you know she she's taking on sophisticated themes about you know morality in the middle of war and um you know survival's guilt and and like a whole bunch of stuff and she has a very heavy hand in it unfortunately
0: yeah
1: uh there's a whole bunch of times where katniss and gail are arguing about you know how many like whether it's okay to kill people a certain way or like military tactics and katniss is just like no you shouldn't do it this way and gail's like Yes, we should because we need to kill everybody. (laughs) And there's just, like, no subtlety in that argument. Like, there's no No. place for Katniss is is wrong sometimes but ultimately ineffective or, you know, Gale is right technically but, like, does he give up, like, the moral high ground because – Like, there's no, like – there's no sophistic- sophistication to that discussion it's just katniss is probably right and gale is probably wrong the end let's move on to yeah the next like w-
0: war is supposed to be a little gray and a little bit right. tough with moral issues and they have none of that and again like even th- one of the biggest themes throughout this entire series is the influence of media and propaganda yeah. and to show uh uh how that may influence the good guys they literally Call like their advertisements. They call them
1: propaganda. They
0: call them propaganda, and for short, they which, call them propos, <laughs> which is which is propaganda. It's like it's there really is weird. Zero zero subtlety in what they're
1: yes. doing. Well, especially because like propaganda itself is super interesting. If you want to write a story about propaganda, cool, that's interesting.
0: I'm all for it. Prop-
1: propaganda isn't always about. Having a heavy hand, like a lot of times, it's taking a story that is that is you know that may have nothing to do with your cause or whatever, and painting it to look like these guys are the bad guys, these are the good guys, and so I feel like she like missed the point of like her a own like bit. there's there's so much prop. It's, they talk nonstop about wardrobe and filming and it's so strange. That's not what I want in my revolutionary story.
0: And even if you do want some of that, I think it's okay. But I think at one point, like it becomes like, why are we still doing this? They'll yes. be like, ba- the book will basically be over and they'll still be like, gotta film some more stuff. And it's like, I understand <laughs> the point you're trying to make, but this just this is exhausting. At this point, it (laughs) It was a little,
1: it was a little much. I was ready for them to move on to something else. Like I understood having to put on a face to be in front of the Capitol because I thought that was going to be more about like intrigue and like playing the room or like anything like that. Uh, And instead we just got more of it, but for less of a reason that made sense in District 13. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you have any different thoughts on the movie than you did about the book?
0: Okay, first right off the bat, this should not have been split into two parts. I think we could both it's agree wild.
1: With that. This first movie is so boring.
0: Uh, even with Harry Potter, it was a stretch. taking And so much stuff happened in Harry
1: Potter. That book so was huge. Much
0: stuff. Yes. This book is one this of the like shortest a in the series. Book. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's crazy Love to it. me. Um yeah. but I will say, like the first and foremost something the series has always been great at is just grabbing the best actors. My gosh. All yeah. of the actors are amazing. I, I was saying
1: to you, I was blown away, absolutely blown away by the cast. The cast is so good. Julianne Moore is present, Alma Coin. Mahershala Ali, amazing. amazing. Literally the best part the of the movie. The best part. So by good. Far. Um, Gwendolyn Christie is in there for like four minutes, and it's incredible. I wish there was mm-hmm. more of that. Um Eldon Henson is the Avox brother. He's also on um Daredevil. He's incredible super in it. Great. I think he was super good in it. And Natalie Dormer, uh, who I totally forgot about this, single handedly brought the like half shaved head trend into being. Uh, She's incredible in it, even though she has the like the lamest part. The cast is so good.
0: It's so good.
1: (laughs) It's so good. It's it's crazy.
0: Even like the performances are pretty. uh, Most of this, I will say, the supporting cast performances are really really good. I. You know, the fact that they, yeah. I mean, this is also near Game of Thrones height before it crashed and burned. Uh, So they they were able to get all the good Game of Thrones actors into this, which is fantastic. Another thing that actually really surprised me and a great addition was the score. They had one this time. It was great. I was like super shocked um, that it took them till the last two movies to make a score that was like engaging and made me feel anything.
1: Yeah, they took like the capital jingle that happens when the videos pop up Mm -hmm. and they turned that a little bit into like part of the score. It was very good.
0: Yeah, I loved it. I I wish it was present throughout the whole series because they did a fantastic job actually adding that to the movie and it actually rounded it out to make them feel cohesive as two movies, even though they shouldn't have been two movies. It made them feel... Uh, like of the same instead of separate. Yeah,
1: definitely. Well, and a um, small thing, but important thing because we've talked about it several times. Katniss's hair looks better. So I know much it's better, a wig, but it looks real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it looks, it looks so way much better. better than her real hair did. <laughs> way, way less shiny. Big way fan less of the shiny.
1: Hair. Way less weird. Yeah. Yeah. So let's
0: let's do like short little snippets of each movie. Uh, since, I mean, to be honest, I watched these back to back like I think most people would. But yeah. uh, Amanda, what did you like? Give me some thoughts on that first part.
1: Uh, it was so boring. It's kind of boring. <laughs> there were so many parts. <laughs> there were so many scenes. I also watched them back to back. So I had in my head, OK, I got like, you know, it's like five hours of movie to get through. And so I knew like I kept on pausing it to see how far into the first movie I was. And it was it was slowing down time somehow. Like they just kept going places and walking around places, and then nothing would happen, and then they would leave, and they would go to another place, and then like four scenes later, they'd go back to that first place again. I was like, "Why do we keep? What are we doing here, guys?"
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think because the um, the book is very back heavy, the first movie's pacing is completely off. Because they, they're really, there's maybe like one and a half action scenes maybe. Um, for the entire movie. There's really there's, not that much yeah, that happens. There's the one
1: at the hospital. That one's pretty good. That's in the first one, right?
0: Yes, that's in the first one.
1: That scene is pretty good where she shoots down a plane with her bow and arrow
0: into sure, a hospital. Let's just go with it. Let's just go with it.
1: Which one's not great?
0: Yeah, the pacing just feels. So strange that it's really yeah. hard to watch part one. They yeah. they part did add um, scenes from other districts of mm-hmm. them like rebelling, which was amazing. I loved those scenes. But for yeah. the most part, it was a pretty boring movie.
1: I think you could probably skip the first movie and just do one, two, and four and still get the gist of the story without missing anything.
0: Yeah, it's called the, the Shotgun Hunger Games yeah. Watch, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I'd 100% agree. Um, so yeah, that's really all my thoughts on the first movie. There's <laughs> really not much else to say because not much happens.
1: Uh, the second movie was better. Um, I think the action there's a couple of really solid action scenes. We get a couple of really great performers in there, there's a little bit of tension thrown in that's much needed. Um, so the second one was better. There were some parts that still were silly,
0: <laughs> there's definitely... which I feel is,
1: is sad when we're talking about like an action-packed rebellion movie.
0: <laughs> well, I think the second movie works better because there's a lot more action. And Francis yeah. Lawrence, I think, is much better. leaps and bounds better at directing action scenes. Yeah, he does a great job doing the action scenes. Yeah, there's the sewer scene that was hot and nasty is actually pretty tense i loved i like that scene it like suddenly felt like just like the smoke scene in the last movie uh catching fire this scene uh like kind of switches to this weird like horror aesthetic that i was i was loving and Mm -hmm. so i think the parts where you know you get to turn off your brain and watch very interesting action now whether or not that action Makes sense is something i want to talk about later but it is still interesting visually pleasing action
1: i do feel yes the action itself was good i feel like the effects somehow took a step back to the first like suddenly panem doesn't look as good as it did in the second movie
0: (laughs) yeah it kind of does look like like I don't know, just kind of a regular old city. To be fair, it is a war, Amanda. The city, sure. no matter how good, is gonna look a little worse in war.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was talking more about like the CGI.
0: But. Oh yeah, I mean the CGI. I mean I thought it was fine. There's a couple parts, but I think the parts that they had, like it's it's tough for some of those, and maybe I yeah. we can go into spoilers about it. But there's certain CGI that's like easy to do, and I, yeah. and like whether or not the filmmakers make it easy on the artists to do. Yeah. And I think the scene had a lot of tough CGI. I think they pulled off well.
1: I feel like they had the same pile of rubble that they just like shifted around every few scenes.
0: You got to save some money, Amanda. <laughs> not a Listen. I wasn't looking at the piles of rubble. You were looking at the piles of rubble. A little okay. Bit, yeah. Maybe focus on Katniss. She's interesting. Oh, no, thanks.
1: Uh, so, David, would you recommend people
0: read this book? This is so tough because uh, I, I think it's easy to tell I don't particularly like any of these. But I would say that if you really want to see the conclusion to the Hunger Games series – I'm going to actually recommend that you skip the book, skip the first movie, and just watch the second movie. I think you're going to get most yeah. of what you want out of it.
1: I kind of feel the same way. I feel like now going through like the trilogy again, my most optimal like journey through this story is book one, movie two, movie four.
0: And yeah that's it. <laughs> no I a hundred percent agree with you is it? book okay. one book one is fantastic I still yeah, love that so book good. great mm-hmm. nothing but good things to say movie two I think does a better job at kind of showing everything. the whole yeah. arc great yeah. and then movie four just kind of boom wraps it up in a nice tightly packed yeah. action adventure
1: I don't think there are any like plot threads that you would miss by skipping movie three necessarily I think everything kind of comes together in movie four. Yeah. And you wouldn't have to read book three then.
0: <laughs> I think you just need like a quick summary before yeah. you start like 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 a paragraph of plot before you start the fourth movie and you'd be yeah. fine. Like
1: Yeah, I think so too. Previously yeah. on the Hunger Games.
0: Yeah. And then it's just like it. <laughs> quick flashes. Yeah.
1: But then it would just be, am I allowed to say this? It would just be we saved PETA, but then he attacked us. Move on yeah. to the next
0: That would be it, right? kind (laughs) of. Nothing
1: else really happened.
0: Nothing else happened. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of. So in summary, we're going to say skip the book, skip part one, just watch the last movie and then watch David and Amanda's recommended Hunger Game reading and watching.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree. So let's talk about why in our spoiler section. Our lives were never ours.
0: They belong to Snow, and our deaths do, too. But if you kill him, Katniss, if you end all of this, all those deaths, they mean something. Amanda, let's talk about uh, the changes first before we get into stuff like nitpicks and whatnot. Tell me, What were the most jarring changes about this two film adaptation?
1: You know, what's really jarring huh? is that there are none. There's There's literally no changes. There was this very brief moment in. I want to say the second movie, it kind of mushes together for me, um, where Katniss has decided that she's going to kill Snow no matter what. And so she sneaks out of District 13, and in the book, she basically trains and gets approval
0: to be on this
1: special ops team.
0: Yeah, it's like a be a man sequence in the middle of the book. It was
1: definitely like a be a man sequence, uh, a really good little montage in the middle of the book. Um, In the movie, she just sneaks onto a supply plane and just goes to the front lines. And it was the only moment. And this is this is going to sound meaner than I mean it to be. It was the only moment where I was genuinely excited in the movie uh, because I thought they were deviating from the original. Um, And then they immediately snap back into place. And it's just to skip that training montage, which is strange.
0: But it is what it is. There are zero changes at all. Well, let me push back on that a little (laughs) bit. I think okay. I think in the overall plot and sequencing, you're right. There is almost no changes. There's a lot of very small changes that I do think makes the story better. So, for example, like you said, they cut out the training montage. I agree with that. That didn't need to be there to begin with. It's like this weird 30-page part in the book where I'm like, why am I even here?
1: My, so my But my issue with it is they set it up to be a part of the conflict, and then it's never addressed. So, like, why is it in there?
0: I don't know. Yeah, she should just went. It is it is a non issue, but I think it was one of those things where it's like it doesn't make sense for her to go, but she should just be there. And so I think they were just trying to. So like even though it doesn't make sense as a change, it's a refreshing change because they cut something out. I didn't. It was exciting. It
1: was exciting because it felt like Katniss was was being proactive. She was doing her thing no matter what. Yeah.
0: Uh, Another big change I was super happy about is that Effie is way more involved in these stories. In the books, she has a little cameo yeah. at the end uh in the movies she's just there she is the yeah. prep team instead of the prep team in the books and i think it's great because one why waste elizabeth banks she's great absolutely she's amazing so she's also
1: like one of the only relationships new relationships that katniss builds throughout the story so it makes sense that she'd be part of katniss's story at the end as well and so i'm glad her- she was
0: there it's nice to have a warm character as opposed to everyone who seems so cold. Like you could tell she genuinely loves Katniss and yes. wants what's best for her. Yes. And you don't see that in any other character. So it's yeah. it was it was very nice to see Elizabeth Banks back in the story more.
1: And I did like uh, – so they added a little kiss at the end of the movie oh, between yes. Hamish and Effie. And uh, I found out that it was completely ad-libbed, that the the actors just did it on a whim and they kept it in the movie. And I thought it was fantastic. It's it, like, so good. It, it hints at like this little relationship that we didn't really know about between the two characters and all their bickering and warmth just make a little bit more sense. And I loved it. I thought it was and- such a nice touch.
0: <laughs> And they had more chemistry than four movies of Peeta and Katniss. They had more like chemistry than literally everybody scene. else
1: in this movie. They did a fantastic job.
0: Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Um, another change that I was actually very thankful for, because it seemed out of place in the book, is there is a part at the end when they're kind of doing a gauntlet type run to the Capitol or to uh, President Snow's mansion. And mm-hmm. while they're going through it, all these traps are going off for citizens of the capital, And it feels kind of weird because c- citizens of the capital are just getting murdered left and right in they like a have blood that the-
1: bath. I mean, they didn't explicitly have that, but they had a little bit of that in the movie. Well,
0: no, in the movie, they it's cut not out as much as I thought they would in the movie. <laughs> it's not traps going off True. on the citizens. It is an attack happening as opposed to okay, literally some of the most bloody type sequences of the entire series happens at the end of just like people getting murdered and i did actually have to stop reading for a second because i was like this is a lot like and it it went into great detail of people and how they died and it it actually kind of disturbed me a little bit yeah because i was like this this of all places in the book seem out of place because they did not have this throughout the entire uh book And even in the Hunger Games, they didn't really have that. And so it was like the amount of people dying.
1: It was a lot. And I think the problem was is that it wasn't anybody we cared about. Like there was no emotional – So it just felt like a meat grinder going through this city of people. And it felt unnecessary. It felt over the top unnecessary for sure.
0: And then when you get to the end when the bombs go off and Prim dies, in the book it feels off – that people of the capital that is what turned them because at their, they were literally falling into a pit at getting grinded up beforehand and i'm like no yeah. i think that would have also turned them
1: that, that probably wouldn't have helped either i mean i think all right, so this is particularly about the book because I think the movie handles it a little bit better. There are two major death scenes in the second half of this book, uh, the first being Finnick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he dies in the sewers. And the second being um, being Katniss's sister, Prim. And they happen so fast that I literally missed Finnick dying. Yeah. And then like – and i i re, i was listening to an audiobook and that's kind of the pitfall of an audiobook is sometimes i get like distracted doing i can do things while i'm listening and so if like something happens quickly or like it's just like a sentence sometimes i'll miss it and so i vividly remember being like what is happening in this chapter and i went back and i listened to it i listened to it twice i still missed finnick dying i had to look mm-hmm. up like the print version to read it because when i watched the movie i was like wait a second finnick dies in this scene yeah so I think it's the way she wrote it is you don't feel the stakes of them about to die before Mm -hmm. they die. And then they die and it's a sentence. And then Katniss either runs away or passes out at the end of it. And then she wakes up and she doesn't think about those things because she's like distracted by other things. So it almost, it hasn't hit the reader enough that those characters are gone
0: No. And I think what's hard, too, is, I mean, both of these deaths anger me for two different reasons. I think with Finnick, it angered me because they actually spend a lot of uh, time in the book building up Finnick. Yeah, he's probably my favorite character, too. They spend a lot of time building him up. They give him a quote unquote happy ending of him getting to marry. And then when he dies, not only... Does when Katniss doesn't spend any time reflecting his death, it feels like the reader doesn't get any time to have it like a cathartic emotional release about it. Yeah, and so for me as a reader, it just felt like you took someone away and didn't let me mourn. Yeah, what's why would you do that to a character that you gave the happy ending to? I'm not saying happy endings can't have bad endings later. I'm saying like you you can't have a quick like treat it as a tertiary character yeah. when you kill them off.
1: Well, and I think that's kind of emblematic of my problem with the whole story is that it's not when you look at like the overall message of this story, it's it's not a hopeful one. It's not no. a good one. It's not even like a thoughtful one necessarily. It's kind of just like Things are bad. <laughs> yeah. Because Finnick is supposed to be, you know, he was this poster child for the Capitol. Uh, you find out that underneath it all, he's just trying to survive. And a lot of horrible things have happened to him. And even though he's this heartthrob, he's in love with, you know, Annie, who's kind of gone mad from the games and he wants to take care of her stuff. So he's like, he has like this very sweet side of him. And he's kind of like this sacrificial character. And he should be somebody who gets a happy ending in the end. Um, just for the fact of showing that like, even people who are in these bad situations can still persevere through them and come out and find happiness. But then he doesn't. It's taken away immediately. And his and like his death doesn't do anything to help Katniss. It doesn't do anything to move the plot around. It doesn't It doesn't feel like it needs to be there and it doesn't feel like there's a point to it. And so it feels like a lot of the story is a hopeless message, which kind of sucks. Uh, The same happened with uh, the fact that Prim dies. Like the entire story, this entire story started with the fact that Katniss was volunteering to save her sister and was willing to do anything to do that. And then she dies in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. There's not like... (laughs) There's not like anything there. There's not like a message. Katniss hasn't learned anything. She's not a different person now. She doesn't like respect the sacrifice that her sister made for the people of of the capital even. like there's, She's not impacted at all in a different way from her death at the end of this story than she would have been if her sister was sent into the Hunger
0: Games instead of her. Does that make sense? It does. And I think too you know prim's death as opposed to finnick's death which i think for me as a reader was very um uh like hit me because we spend a lot of time with finnick i think yeah. as opposed to prim where we actually don't spend that much time with her there the movie isn't a little bit more time with her the movie tries a little bit but like i can think of a lot of qualities about like finnick and his character and the reason why he the way that he is I don't really have much about Prim rather than other than she likes doing nurse stuff and she really likes her cat. And Is that that's it? it. So like when you get to the end and again, I am not necessarily opposed to having like a hopeless ending as long as it has the thoughtful gray areas to justify it. This yeah. movie didn't spend a lot of time or this story didn't spend a lot of time with prim in general and so i didn't feel anything when she died and then i also like katniss didn't change that much and didn't add to the overall story so i was left wondering why the heck did prim die when it didn't add to anything and why did finnick die if it didn't add to anything so why are these like why are these characters dying other than well it sucks
1: yeah well prim dies to prove to katniss that coin is a villain And that's why she chooses to kill Coin in the end instead of Snow. And that sucks.
0: (laughs) Well, let's jump. I think let's jump into it. Because I think we're going to get into our next question that you and I have a lot of thoughts on. Which is how. Okay, we have a lot of complaints. I think that's very, very clear. Yes. How would we change Mockingjay?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You want me to go first?
0: Yes. Go first.
1: (laughs) So... My change would be, uh, you know, I think there's there's a lot of good parts to this book still. Um, I think some of the action is very cool. I think there are a couple of really cool scenes in it. But I think the big swing and miss is the fact that Coyne, who's the leader of District 13, is also a villain. And I kind of get a little bit what Suzanne Collins might have been going for, that like all power corrupts people or, um, but it ends up being, it ends up being this really weird, this really weird, uh, political statement about how both there are bad people on both sides. It's a little bit what it feels like, and it's not great. Um, and so the fact that, you know, uh, Coin has been this leader in this underground district who has basically been doing everything she can to keep her people alive still. And instead of being painted as a um as a pragmatic leader who will do anything to save her people and to ensure their survival, she is painted as a villain. Like those those things that should yeah. be it should stand in stark contrast to who Snow was, that she's not willing to take advantage of people, that she's she only wants, you know, <laughs> she only wants her people to survive, not necessarily to take from other people in order to ensure their survival. Like there's a fine line between those two. And instead, she's just grouped together with Snow and then on top of it be, been painted worse than Snow to the point where she deserves killing over Snow not because of things she has done, but because of things she might do in the future, and that it gets really shaky. Sucks. It
0: gets very shaky there.
1: It's really shaky at the end, and so I, I totally get that she wanted a twist at the end. I totally get that she was she wanted this intrigue I think the intrigue of the fact that Coin doesn't like Katniss and doesn't want to entrust her with anything is interesting because up until this point everyone is like Katniss is our only hope for some reason and it's refreshing to have a character that's not like that but then to have her just painted as a black and white villain sucks it's not yes. interesting, and it ends up making the end of this book really frustrating because the entire series is leading up to Katniss finally facing Snow, and instead she understands him in the end.
0: <laughs> They're best friends in the end. And that sucks. That kind of sucks. Yeah, I think, too, the movie tried to do a, a little better of a job at villainizing her. I mean, first of all, she's played by Julianne Moore, which uh it's kind of hard to hate her to begin with but there's like this hilarious scene at the end when they're all discussing if they should have another hunger games and before they talk about that they're like uh so uh i coin is going to be interim president uh when are we going to have an election she's like i don't know if ever you know who knows <laughs> And i just started laughing i just well, started I laughing, just yeah, started it's just laughing. evil it's silly and, it was such a turn because actually in the first movie she's kind of warm and welcoming, and then yes. out of nowhere she's evil. Julianne Moore. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna push back that on the idea that Coin couldn't be a villain though, because my idea to change this is much more radical. Okay, okay. first, it. so it's it's a couple things. One, we're gonna we're gonna scrap a ton of this story. Uh, I think the parts we're gonna keep are like the hospital scene uh, and kind of the end gauntlet, I think would be a great thing to take. Here are are the things I'm going to change. First, uh, we're going to make Katniss immediately be okay with being the Mockingjay. I think that struggle not to be it is a stupid one. She's done that for two books. I think at this point she understands the capital is evil. We don't need to show her that the capital is evil, okay? Yeah. So I think she embraces it. Two, I think they save Peter right away. I think it should be like one of the first things that happen is Peter gets saved. Because I think that would be interesting if maybe she's reluctant, then they get Peter back immediately. Mm-hmm. And then maybe she's on board. So maybe she does have that struggle, but it's very short. Okay. So quick things right away. Then I think there should be a very clearly laid out plan of how they're going to win, which they sort of do, but I think Katniss needs to be more involved with that. This way we get an idea of what it means to win and lose and have actual like an end goal, okay? And I think what that looks like is I think as they're trying to fight and win districts, they come to realize that this high morality that like Coin is trying to do of never needing to compromise – they start to lose and realize that they need to compromise a little bit. So now it mm-hmm. becomes a story of a good leader, coin, who turns evil because of what she needs to do to win a war. So mm-hmm. that when you get to the end of it, it's much more satisfying when Katniss comes to the point. And also you kind of think, okay, she should die because maybe she's committed some war crimes. And mm-hmm. you're like, uh, I don't feel so great about her anymore. Yeah. Uh and then at the end, so that the gauntlet scene seems to have some sort of effectiveness because in the, in the story, she gets to the end and gets to the mansion and the rebels are already there. And you're like, why the heck did she go on this journey to begin with if it's just going to kill off a bunch of characters? Mm-hmm. I think what should happen, what would make sense is they get to that scene And the rebels are like, no, we're just going to wait it out. We're just going to let them starve and sit there. Because one, that makes sense. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. If they surround everything, just starve them out. And then eventually you'll win. Okay? So it makes sense. And two, then you have Katniss going into the city despite those plans to go try to kill Snow herself. Yeah. And I think So it's more of like a speech story. There's much more stakes. It's much more of like... A morally gray area. Maybe you could still have some of your propaganda. I still think you should do that, um, but then it's a much more focused novel on the grayness of running a rebellion and trying mm-hmm. to take over. And are you going to be the same when you're done with that? Which I think she was. She was hinting at a couple times. She and was then she just yes. didn't commit fully.
1: So, so I, I think- just
0: want to take out the crap yeah. and do more of what's good.
1: So I think if if coin isn't if coin does end up being a villain,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I I think I don't like the fact that Katniss is just the executioner at the end. I think it's very strange that they would have a sixteen year old girl shoot somebody with an arrow as a way to like f- end a war it's it feels very strange and i get it that it's so that we can have like this twist at the end where katniss all of a sudden turns on coin but i feel like it would be like so much of these stories are about the (sighs) pointlessness of the pointless entertainment of violence And about how it's used in different ways, whether that's to suppress people or to liberate people. And how that's not Mm -hmm. necessarily the best way to go about doing these things. And it feels strange that the final act of our fully realized protagonist would be to murder somebody. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When she has been arguing with Gale the entire time about the morality of killing people in war,
0: well, maybe maybe we can ha- have our cake and eat it too, where Katniss doesn't kill Coin, mm-hmm. Gale kills Coin, and then she doesn't like Gale. She goes to Pito The romance people are happy. I'm happy. <laughs> Everybody's happy. Everyone's cheering. While chanting Suzanne, Suzanne, because we're just so happy.
1: It does feel like Gale would fit that. He was growing into that person anyway.
0: There is this hilarious scene in the movie.
1: Okay, I also have a hilarious scene that I want to talk about, but it may be the same one. What is yours? It's about
0: Gail, where at the end of the movie, Gail is talking to Katniss, and she's like, did you kill that children? He's like, I don't know. (laughs) And then she's like, like, goodbye. And how I saw it was like- How I saw it was it was like the Bachelor, and she yeah. was like, "You are not getting the final rose sounds- scale." <laughs> That's exactly what was happening. First of all. I it could did not, like, not stop. I
1: feel like they had met in a hallway, and then she's like, "Goodbye," and he's like, "I'm I'm actually going that way. Can I? You
0: and I actually have to walk together. Same-
1: we actually have to both go to this meeting
0: now, so it's gonna be like four minutes. You, of you know what? I'll take I'll take the long uh, way. Around. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, go, to the go outside." <laughs> Uh, I'll just hang out in the bathroom for, and
1: like text for five minutes and I'll just meet you in the meeting. I'll meet and- you.
0: I'll yeah. meet you there. Yeah. Let's yeah. just stagger it. Okay. Okay. Bye. G- forever.
1: <laughs> no. So the funny part, poor, poor, uh, what's his face? Who played Gail? Liam? Uh,
0: Liam Hemsworth. They wasted him. They really did. They gave him nothing to do but be a big part. They, d- they didn't. Party. Well, let's, let's use this oh, as no, a no, transition no, 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 no. to nitpicks.
1: Okay, uh, my, I think, my favorite nitpick.
0: Okay, let's go into nitpicks fully now because we've we've started it <laughs> and we're not going to be able to stop once we do it. So go,
1: Gail, There's this scene where they are in, uh, they're in the city. They're on. They're during like the most intense part of the movie. First of all, just crazy where they are trying to sneak around without the Capitol cameras catching them. They've lost half of their people. It's all very sad, uh, and they're getting close to the front lines of battle. Right. So it is mm-hmm. like as tense as it's going to be in this story. Yes. They are sleeping in like this apartment and there's watches going on. So Gil and Peter are both on watch. And they are talking about who Katniss is going to choose in the end. As if yeah. they are like representatives of ship wars on Tumblr. And it is so strange. It's, it's the- so funny. <laughs> I have it is the most unrealistic conversation where they're just like, yeah, it would be really great if she chose me, but I think she's going to choose you because of these reasons, blah, blah. It's so weird. It's like this weird meta conversation that's happening, but it's not fun and it's not believable. So it just ends up being like these awkward two dudes talking about Katniss's feelings for them. It's so weird.
0: I also feel like in real life, she would have, because she heard them say this, she would have woken up and be like, well, you dicks, I choose none of you now. <laughs> I don't know what a terrible you. thing to say to someone. Yes. Yeah. She's like, they're like, she's going to choose whichever one she can't live without. What garbage? What? I would be so mad. I'd be like, I hate both of you. Yeah, I'd be like, pass. Both of you suck. I'll go find somebody else. There's millions of dudes here. (laughs) Look at all these dudes. You suck. I'm famous. Everybody
1: loves (laughs) me right now. I can go find anybody else. (laughs) Tennis needs to raise her standards a little bit.
0: She does. She needs much higher standards.
1: What's, what's your nitpick?
0: Okay, okay. This is mostly a book nitpick because in the movie they neutered it so much. But there is a fortress that is built into a mountain. Yeah. Amanda, what is this fortress called? It's has the unfortunate name of the nut. The nut. Okay. <laughs> and th- she, in the chapter that this is present in, she says it like every paragraph. A lot. It's... it's- and I could, strange. I could not stop laughing.
1: It's like she didn't know that nut was euphemism for anything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm.
0: She is a YA author. She should she know better. Knows what that she should know better. <laughs> she should know <laughs> I would well, be I mean, sitting there.
1: She said she calls it a nut because it's a tough one to crack. Call it literally anything else.
0: And call it the fortress.
1: <laughs> call it <laughs>
0: call, call it, it. rock. Oh the my rock gosh! Cool. Perfect. Perfect. And now cool. I, I, I could not take that entire <laughs> sequence seriously because I couldn't stop laughing at the nut.
1: And it's supposed to be a really tense scene.
0: Suzanne, you knew what you were doing. You knew what you were doing when you did that. <laughs> Don't pretend like you didn't.
1: Okay, I have another nitpick.
0: Okay, let's hear it. We
1: have two movies, so I feel like it's fair for us to we're have. We're
0: gonna it. go. We're gonna go. This is this. This episode will <laughs> run long.
1: Okay, I think the most ridiculous thing that happens in all of this story combined is the fact that President Snow bombs District 13. Because he's like, I'm mad at you, District 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drops a ton of bombs on there. Everybody gets out in the nick of time because PETA has warned them. It's a very tense kind of moment. And then after bombs (laughs) – so they go they go I'm sorry I'm already laughing. They okay. go to the surface after the bombing happens. It's all clear and everyone's fine. And they see the rubble of whatever was on the yeah. surface. I don't tons know. Tons of what. craters. There's tons of craters everywhere. And then everything is covered in white roses.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's like a little bit much.
1: Okay. So was there a Okay, I have a couple questions. Mhm. Was there a bomb that went off that had roses in it? Or like was a- it like? <laughs> was it like a flower drop, like a balloon drop? And also, that seems like a very expensive thing to do to taunt somebody. You know what I mean? It it felt it was very strange. <laughs> how
0: how else are you gonna know Snow is evil? I, I also, thought- <laughs> what if Katniss dies? Then everyone's like. Why are there roses Never, everywhere? Weird, We're like, guys. we don't get this. Where did these roses come from? They look like they're fresh cut stem roses. <laughs> um, Why did they take the time? Why did you think they'd at least leave the thorns on and make so, it like, like maybe we they could prick us to death? Is that their plan?
1: So all throughout the series, there are you know, there's only a couple qualities given to Snow, uh, but there is a hint of uh, that he likes poisons. Um, So that's pretty abundant. Uh, He Mm loves these flowers. And then on top of it, he's constantly surveying people. So at the beginning of the third book, Katniss goes back to her house in District 12, which has not been bombed. Everything else has been bombed. And she plucks a single white rose out of this bouquet. All the rest of the roses have died except for this one. So in my mind, it's immediately like, like a flashing bulb. Like, oh this is a poison flower or this is a surveillance flower. It's one of those. Cause those are like uh-huh. the two things that snow is all about.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And then he dumps a bunch of roses all over the bomb district 13. So I'm like, Oh, more poison, more bombs. No, they're just flowers. They're just flowers. Snow keeps leaving for her in places. Why is
0: he doing? Why? <laughs> <laughs> to taunt her, Amanda, to make her feel—I just imagine <laughs> through, through tiny little roses.
1: I just imagine, Sybilism, being like Yes, I would like—I uh, would like fifty dozen white-stemmed roses, please. <laughs> He's like calling to order them. He's like, yeah, can I have them? Um- just delivered this is gonna be so good guys <laughs> i can't wait i'm not gonna be able to see it but i wish i could see katniss's face when she saw these. oh yeah how much is that gonna be like thousands and thousands that just charge it to my capital credit card it'll be fine
0: <laughs> yes 1-800 mm. flowers yes yes i need another order yes 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 <laughs> another another 600 a stemless white roses yes 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 just put them on the bomber <laughs> Uh, yes, 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 I know, I know, it's It's a little impractical.
1: It's weird because it's not creepy enough, it doesn't feel threatening, it just feels strange.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it seems like he's just, like, really into roses, which is good for him.
1: Well, because, like, the villain sent you something, you're like, oh, is it a threat? Not really. Is it poison? No. Is it...
0: A bomb? No. It's, it's just these it, it it's things. It's, symbol. <laughs> it's just <a> yeah. simple. <laughs> there is like this weird part too where Katniss in the books is uh, like gets sick off of the smell of roses. So if she yeah. smells them, she starts puking. That's why um, they're
1: poison, but they're not. They're it's- not.
0: And I have, I mean, maybe the capital has super smelly roses, but like I've smelled a lot of roses in my day. Like, I can never smell them from how far, and I've never been like, I don't know. It just felt like a weird thing to include. Well, and and like in the, the book, idea. too, he puts he puts roses at the bottom of a sewer for her. He yeah. knew she was going to be in the sewer, and so she put yeah. roses in the sewer. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's such a weird
1: yeah. thing.
0: It's such a strange thing. It's really weird. Okay, I got, I got another nitpick.
1: Okay, what's your next nitpick?
0: They, uh, they call the things in the capital that basically make the capital of the new Hunger Games yeah. called pods. Right. Which, when they even show it in the movie, they show a display of a pod-like object bursting out and having a trap. Right. Cool. Not all of these things are pods, which right. makes me ask the question... Why didn't they just call them traps? If that's what they are, (laughs) why aren't they just called traps?
1: That's an excellent point. Also, when did they have time to booby trap their entire city?
0: They need major infrastructure planning to put a meat grinder the size yeah. of a football field yeah. at the bottom of a subway. Did I they, like love- close <laughs> and then?
1: <laughs> I love that they have these like really elaborate traps, but they're also not very effective. So, like, they have an entire like underground tunnel I guess that the floors flip over and become meat grinders but they only do it one row at a time so you can always like run ahead of it and just get out of it just in time (laughs) why doesn't the whole floor just flip over into a meat grinder
0: also there are better trap there are these lights that when they shone on you you literally disintegrate which begs the question why don't they only use that why (laughs) isn't (laughs) isn't that way more
1: (laughs) (laughs) and in like a like why don't they use that as like a fence
0: why are they, why are there not
1: huge floodlights
0: of the death beam that goes out everywhere? Yeah. Way more effective,
1: way effective. Instead, you have it hidden underground, just in case somebody you know runs into your basement. That's weird.
0: Because it has to be entertaining, Amanda. It's, it has to be entertaining.
1: It's strange. It's strange how the capital chooses to spend money. On elaborate yeah. gifts and strained booby traps. <laughs>
0: Lots of roses. Yes, yes, yes. I need another hundred square feet of meat grinder floor. Please get, p- Please do it ASAP. Yes, deliver it to the subway workers. They're going to install it later tonight. Thank you. Yeah.
1: David, who would you choose to be in charge of New Penem? Also, what would you rename New Penem? Because penem's is a terrible country name.
0: I mean, it's Boggs. Uh, I think specifically maybe not even Boggs, but I think Mahershala <laughs> Ali, just maybe him as a human being, <laughs> I want to be the president, and then I want the name to be the United States of America because we're done with stupid post-apocalyptic naming schemes. That's what I maybe care
1: about. United States, I feel like United Districts. Well, I don't know United
0: Districts. Okay. Whatever. I just want normal naming. I just want normal names. That's all I I,
1: want. I also chose Boggs because he was my favorite. I feel like he was the only like responsible leader throughout the entire story. Um, so I loved him very, very much. Um, and I would have called it the United Kingdom of Boggs. That was my...
0: He deserves it. <laughs> it does like, kind of sound like a dictatorship. Not going to okay. lie. <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> so Amanda... I noticed that these books and movies don't give a conclusion to the fate of Mr. Caesar Flickerman. So I, I want know. to ask you. That was what, my big complaint. Not What, what do Man. you think happens to Caesar Flickerman at the end? How do you think this ends for him?
1: I think he. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like he's. He's definitely still the darling of the Capitol. So I feel like whatever new regime would really have to use him. So I say he becomes a Supreme Court judge. That's going to be
0: my guess. Excellent. I would. He would be one <laughs> heck of a Supreme Court judge. I think that his charm and wit is something that's undeniable and that mm-hmm. both sides love him. That no one wanted a war against Mr. Flickerman. No, it was a war not. against Snow. So they do not they do not they do not punish poor Flickerman. Maybe they maybe they take away his hair dye. Maybe he can't dye his hair anymore. In point. that case most people win when they take away his hair dye, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think he he takes up as a press secretary press secretary for Mr. President Boggs uh, and he gets to have like a um, like a a mooch type press secretary for Mr. Boggs and it'll be great I think Mm -hmm. he'd be very very entertaining and who who wouldn't want to hear from him
1: I was very disappointed that the first the first movie he has blue hair the second Uh movie he has purple hair and in the third and fourth movies he just has same purple hair I feel like they should have changed mm. it up for, for another one. Uh it would have been I very really, interesting. Yeah. I really yeah, I feel like it could have reflected what was going on in the capital of some way. Even if he had like black hair all of a sudden, I feel like that would be interesting. Or I don't know, throwing something cool and different, green. Sure. I'll yeah. take it. Rainbow. Mr. Stanley
0: Tucci. Yeah. Anything. Missed him. <sighs> oh man, what an episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you feel like I'll we've probably- talked enough about Hunger Games?
0: uh yeah i might cut some of it but i feel like all of it i needed i needed it it was very I needed cathartic about, yeah
1: i need to talk about all of it there were many <sighs> things there i feel like this could this there are a lot of there are a lot of really good things in this story um i just really wish it would have ended better i think the first one had so many interesting things to say and do and there was nice twists and cool characters and we got some of that throughout the rest of it but I don't know. I feel like it's a testament to maybe you should have taken a little bit more time writing. Maybe it doesn't need to be adapted word for word into a movie. This is the one time where I'm like, it doesn't need to be as true to the text as it was.
0: Well, I think for me, I think this is a display of. Uh, of two things, one, I think of a story focusing on on the wrong thing I think there was so much focus on this romance between these characters instead of the world I think you could have had both I I think think you could have had something where you focused on a romance that was interesting and felt real and not cheesy and still had it relate to this world in some sort of way and spent more time with it because those were the interesting part the most Mm -hmm. interesting part with this world and I didn't feel like we got enough of it and I also think and maybe this might be just kind of reading too much into it. I think Suzanne Collins should have spent more time thinking of how it should end because she did crank these out like crazy. These came out in a very short, like within like three years, all of these books were published and I kind of felt like she needed another pair of eyes. She needed some more time to really develop it because like the first and second book you know, even though I have problems with the second book, I think both are very good stories in themselves. I think maybe some parts of the two could have been edited down, but for the most part, I think they're cohesive stories. The third one just feels so out of place. The pacing's bad, mm-hmm. the characterizations bad, the way she describes things, and she dumbs it down for the audience that it yeah. feels like it needed a couple run-throughs with an editor.
1: And to be to fair, really hone I think. It's difficult to have the start of a essentially a revolution happen at the end of book two, and then to have the revolution concluded at the end of book three. You know, wars aren't really won in a book, and and so it, it feels weird that it was so cut and dry like that. I feel like. Maybe if this was being developed and rewritten now, we would get five books instead and that mm-hmm. the start or like the turning point of the revolution would happen halfway through that series as opposed to so close to the end of it. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's there's a, a lot there that could have been done with world building. I feel like there's a lot more that could have been done with obviously the characters. We talked about the characters a lot. Um, so it's not it's not that – it wasn't a good setup. It's that the follow through was a little bit disappointing and I just wanted a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We love it. And that's why we rant.
1: We love it. And that's why we rant for sure. That's why we nitpick.
0: That's why we nitpick.
1: And also because snow, come on, grow up, come quit on. sending girls flowers that don't. <laughs> dude, you. It's
0: so creepy, dude. <laughs> so creepy. Like, you know, maybe good. we'll find out like in the prequel where we, that like, maybe his lover was killed by, rose poisoning and so now he uses it maybe it's like a bat maybe he's scared of roses and that's why he becomes president maybe it's a batman type deal
1: yeah maybe he choked on a rose once and it was a very bad experience
0: so that will wrap us up for today thank you so much for listening please subscribe so you get automatically updated when new episodes come out and wherever you get your podcasts we are Still sort of new, so if you enjoyed anything we've talked about in the last hour, please leave us a review and tell your friends. It always helps. We super appreciate it, especially during this time.
1: You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at AdaptedPod on all those platforms. And if you have any ideas about what you want to hear us talk about, you can send suggestions on our next book to movie adaptation discussion by shooting us an email at stuff at adaptedpod.com. Also special thanks to cat loaf for our intro and outro music. You are listening to the track Astoria Ditmars. You can listen to more cat loaf on Spotify. New stuff just came out.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. stuff. Mm-hmm. So Amanda, what are we uh, consuming next?
1: Oh yeah. We get to choose something new. We get to
0: Finally choose. End of a series.
1: Uh, now we get to stretch our legs outside of uh, Panem and choose something not YA. Please,
0: please tell me anything YA. I need a break from YA. We
1: are taking an official break from YA, and we're going to go sci-fi. Uh, we are going to read and watch I Am Legend. Heck yeah. Is that sci-fi? It is. Yeah, it's sci-fi.
0: Okay, I'll take it. It's still, but we we are still firmly staying in post-apocalyptic.
1: We are staying in post-apocalyptic. But- Technically it's zombie E, but I would say it's sci-fi. Okay.
0: I've never Horror. I've seen the movie plenty of times, so I'm in very interested in the yeah.
1: book. I'm ready so for the fine. book. I know that they changed the book quite a bit from the movie, so I am excited to, to read it.
0: Yes. Let's get something a little bit more different.
1: Yeah. 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 And we're diving into the pandemic vibe, so we'll be there for, for that next I'm time. I'm ready
0: for it. I'm ready for it.
1: <laughs> so Tune in next time to hear about how we rate that adaptation. Until then, I want 4,000 roses, not two. That's how you'll impress me.
0: <clears throat> Hello, yes, 1-800-Flowers. Yeah, I had my 4,000 flowers dropped on District 13, and they were um, all dead. I need what? you. I need, <laughs> Or even better, yes, 1-800-Flowers. Um, yeah, you dropped pink roses on District 13. It didn't um, quite seem as menacing. I need you to do another drop.
1: 1-800-Flowers, uh, you delivered my 5,000-rose order to the wrong address, You sent it to the cranky old man in the cul-de-sac instead of my 17-year-old girlfriend in District 13. I would like a refund.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Please refund me, and I'm going to need you to send another order that way ASAP. I don't think she's going to understand the type of control I have over her.
1: Yeah. I mean, that bombing just happened. I'm going to need those to be expedited today. (laughs) I
0: can't just bomb her
1: town again.
0: (laughs) You don't understand. It's not emotionally resonant if she doesn't go outside and see the roses. It's not gonna hit her.
1: What was he thinking? He's a. Oh man, you have a grandchild, Snow. Grow up.